And Pete hits it on the ground toward the whole base hit. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Shea Station Podcast. It is Monday, August 29th. It is the 94th episode. Can you freaking believe it, dude? The Mets have taken 3 of 4 from the Colorado Rockies. They have maintained a three-game lead on the Atlanta Braves as we begin to roll into September. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack, a.k.a. Jolly Olive. Joining me is Jerry Blevins, as always. And we got our producer back. Producer Jack is back with us after a week off. We missed him dearly. (laughs) And Jerry, how you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm excited. Thank you. What an intro. I'm excited to see Jack. I actually haven't seen Jack. It's been He's minute. hiding. I heard that sultry voice of his, though, so that, that <laughs> makes it okay. All the clapping was Jack, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Oh, first of all, killer intro. I like the energy you're bringing Thanks, today. Man. Appreciate it. Had a Loving good weekend. It. And I like your shirt, man. It reminds me of like a candy or a Neapolitan ice cream. That's, all that's what I went with. I wish it was brown. It's black at the bottom. But, uh, you know, I got to I got to get more like salmon, more pink in my wardrobe. OK, Lighter colors. Come on. You know. All right. I like it. But the fall wardrobe is coming around soon. Flannels are going to be back. Oh, man, I can't. wait. Oh, this is I my favorite wear. time of year. Best Not for the flannels, but just because I'm like a, a light jacket mm. or a sweatshirt kind of guy myself, just in general. Let me layer it up. Absolutely. Summertime's not really a layer time. So summer wardrobes are just tough for men. I think. I think men just look kind of awkward in shorts all the time. You know. I'll tell you what. There, and especially in today's, uh, you know, kind of fashion forward, yeah. tiny shorts, guys. There's a <laughs> lot of thigh showing on dudes these days. Don't and, be afraid, uh, Jerry. Five inches are in, man. They're five in, inch, man. yeah. And on these legs, five <laughs> inches is uh, is cutting a little close, it's my friend. It's a lot friend. of thigh. It's a lot of leg there. <laughs> but uh, we also love the fall because the Mets will probably be playing some serious baseball in the fall. We're marching towards it. They take three of four from the Rockies. They did what they had to do at home. Uh, Some boring wins, some very eventful wins. I was at game two, which was an absolute emotional roller coaster. It was my parents' first game at City Field of the year. They finally made it out and they got an absolute show. Jerry's going to recap that one for us later on. Uh, Before we get into the recaps, we got to thank today's sponsor, CSG, the expert and impartial third-party authentication and grading service for sports cards after grading sports cards are encapsulated in archival durable and crystal clear csg holders that protect and preserve and every csg uh, certified sports card is backed by the csg guaranteed of authenticity and grade which is the strongest in the industry if you're a collector you're going to want to hit up csg to make sure you know what you got on your hands they consistently have the have the best turnaround times and pricing among the leading third-party sports card grading services and we got a code you know the code it's shea as of shea station and shea stadium our code gets you 15 dollars off yearly memberships and this offer expires at the end of september so pounce on it now go to csgcards.com use promo code shea and get 15 dollars off your first yearly membership thank you to them for sponsoring today's episode jerry is there anything you want to get off your chest before we dive in today no, no. I think most of the stuff I want to get off my chest is post recaps. So. Like that. Like that. I guess we'll just dive right in. Let's then. dive in. Hit the music, Jack. Missed having Jack here. 
The Mets walked back into City Field after a long road trip away from home. Brett Beatty gets to play his first game in front of the Queens faithful, but the Mets offense continued to struggle early in this one. They strand Alonzo and Naquin singles in the second with a Beatty strikeout. Later on in the third, Nito and Nimmo get singles to set up a Lindor RBI ground out. And then Pete Alonso, who's been in kind of a funk, finally got that off day that he needed. He decides to swing 3-0, and he hits a mammoth two-run homer off Ryan Feltner. 3-0 Mets and poor Feltner because you're matched up against the best pitcher to ever do it, Jacob DeGrom. He stymies the Rockies in another quality start. He goes six innings, one earned run, three hits, one walk, nine strikeouts, just a lone home run to Ryan McMahon who ran into a fastball, 87 pitches for DeGrom. That ERA goes down to 2.15. He sat down 13 batters in a row through the fifth inning. Uh, Later on, the Mets got multiple runners on from the fifth through the seventh, but they do not score, but those three runs would do the trick because the bullpen was pretty sharp in this game and throughout most of the series. Seth Lugo, who has been a revelation since July, he strikes out McMahon to escape a bases-loaded jam in the seventh. Edwin Diaz came on for the eighth. He strikes out Grichik. Uh, to escape with two runners on. And then Adam Adovino, who had kind of a nice series against his old team, he comes on for his first save op of the year. He goes 1-2-3 to get that first save against his old team. The Mets offense still a little shaky in this one. They go 2-for-10 with runners on and leave nine men on base, but they get by with a win on some great pitching. They take game one pretty easily, 3-1. to one. Nice, nice. I mean, is that not the dream come true? Pete Alonso swinging 3-0 and hitting oh, a huge home run. So nice to see. Great decision, by the way. Great 3-0 swing, honestly. I agree. Perfect spot. You know, every time I see somebody swing 3-0, that's what you want to happen. Like, you want it to be the spot where you want the ball. It's a, it's either it's here or you don't swing. And I see so many guys get too big on their swing because they want to crush it. Yep. Uh he actually did crush it. It was a mammoth home run, and it was huge, uh, you know, to give DeGrom a three-run cushion. So Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, big numbers for what we usually put up for DeGrom, so that was nice to see. And he just looked like he was in control all night. Yep. So, Absolutely. and congrats to Adovino on his first Mets save. Yeah, I mean, Adovino has really put together a nice, solid season, and it was nice for him to get his first save. And I think probably good bullpen usage there by Buck as well. I really like that, but I've said this before, but I really like that he's not afraid to use Edwin in the spot where he needs him most, which is the heart of the order, whether it's the ninth or the eighth. And he had Adovino to back him up. We've talked a lot about trying to find that eighth inning guy to bridge. And I think Adovino really shined in this series, gets a couple saves. We'll talk about the second one later on, but you got game two, my man. Cool. Game two, Chris Bassett versus Chad Cool. At the bottom of the third, Brett Beatty introduces himself to the City Field uh, faithful with his first home run in New York City, giving the Mets a 1-0 lead. Bottom of the fifth with two outs uh, after McCann and Nimmo get on the bases. Starlin Marte delivers his fifth triple of the season to make it 3-0 good guys. Right after that, at the top of the sixth, Rockies answer back with an 0-2 single, a four-pitch walk. Brendan Rodgers hits one off the very top of the wall for a two-run double. Then C.J. Crone singles him in, and just like that, it's 3-3. Three to three. Um, But bottom of the sixth, after Darren Ruff, Mark Canna punches back with an RBI double scoring Ruff, but McNeil is gunned out at the plate to make it 4-3. to three. Then in the seventh, after a six-pitch seventh inning, Bassett enters the top of the eighth with only 85 pitches. He gets an out, then Charlie Blackman hits an infield single 
which is Buck goes to the bullpen um, and he brings in Michael Gibbons, who has not had a great run with the New York Mets. Uh, he gives up a base hit, a hit by pitch, gets a big strikeout, and then gives up a three run triple. And the Bluebirds were out in full force. Uh, I'm not sure if Jolly or his parents were booing there, but I think everyone else was. That was a oh, tough yeah. one. That brings us to the bottom of the eighth with two outs. Uh, Ryan McMahon has an error on a very hard hit ball by Darren Ruff. McNeil singles as McNeil does, and Mark opens up a can of whoop-ass with another <laughs> huge double. That is basically the ball game. The Mets go up 7-6. to six. Uh, Edwin Diaz locks down the save, and that is the ball game. Well, that's not the ball game. That was 6-6, six to six, and then Pete Alonso with two outs in the bottom of the ninth gets an RBI walk-off single through, and that's the ball game. Nice save there, Jim. Nice save, right? Yeah. I had again, I had to turn the page again. Ah, oh, it's the classic page turn. I know, Jerry. I know. I wrote too many notes, but we're getting it. We're getting You're it. too excited. You had a lot to say. I get it. Uh, really fun game in game two. I was there. I did say this on Twitter. I think that was maybe the loudest I've ever heard somebody booed at City Field because Mets fans know how important these games are. I mean, if you take game two and you lose that one six to four, suddenly this becomes a, a four-game split with the Colorado Rockies and you're only up two on the Braves. It becomes a much more uh, – it changes the theme of the weekend, I think, uh, but it also shows uh, what this team is really capable of, the numerous comebacks. Mark Canna is a man on fire. Uh, I don't think I would want anybody else up there in those clutch situations compared to him right now. Uh, and that, that two-run double. And that all came with two outs, by the way. Lindor goes down swinging. Alonzo goes down swinging against Estevez. And then they just put together a rally thanks to – Yeah, that rough I hits a – I would have given that a single. I was going to say the same home. thing. Kind of an unfair error. It's because it went, it went five-hole. McMahon yeah. got, it hit him in the heel and went between his legs. But that's it was a hit sharp hard. hit ball. I think that's that's a single in my book. I still think that could be changed, maybe. But anyway, uh, that error uh, I'm giving that an gosh. I especially at home, I don't think it's going to get changed and overturned yeah. in either way. But it was a hard hit ball. But with two outs, you know they rallied. I mean, you got uh, Marte with the huge triple. Alonso had two knocks. McNeil had two knocks. Canna had two knocks. Uh, Beatty had the big home run, and James McCann had I was going to say, don't forget about It's just his third multi-hit game of the season. Third. But the Mets are 3-0 when McCann gets two hits. So <laughs> oh, there's your recipe. Nice. There's your recipe right what? there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I felt bad for Lindor because he hit a screaming line drive to left. I thought that oh, was going to be the walk-off. the hell out of that ball. Hilliard made a great catch. It deflated the entire stadium. Alonzo goes down 0-2. And is that bad? It's looking like we're staring down the barrel of extra innings. My poor parents thought they were going to fall, fall asleep if we went to the 10th. But luckily, Alonzo delivers where we needed him. Uh, Chris Bassett's line isn't fantastic. He looked really good in the start. Um, only bad inning was that sixth inning where the Mets gave him that 3 nothing lead and he coughed it back up. Uh, followed up with that really quick seventh inning. I really like that Buck let him go into the eighth. I honestly would have kept it in his court because I think he ended with 88 pitches. So he probably could have kept going. Me too, um, especially because it was a infield single. Yeah. Like they um, had him shifted. He hit like an easy ground ball right at the shortstop. Um, but And I know that these are the situations that we traded for Michael Gibbons to be in, but it felt like the hook was a little sharp 
Uh, and then Givens just did not have it. Got, I mean, he almost got out of it, which, you know, you don't realize when you see the result. Uh, he loads the bases. He gets a strikeout. He gets two strikes on Elias Diaz. And then he gives up an absolute rocket to right center to well, clear he, the bases. He had one pitch. It was a good one. He had his, yeah. he was throwing 97. Yeah. Um, and he was painting it away, but like, you can't be a one pitch pitcher. Diaz fouled off one the fastball. And then he yeah. Pretty and much so he's been spot. missing his location, yeah. leaking back over the middle. And that's what happened. It got him again. Yeah. Uh, my parents got to see the trumpets for the first time, uh, which was very cool for them. And, you know, the trumpets, it's much more cinematic now than it was last year, which is very cool. They black out all the screens in the stadium. Diaz marches out. He looked great. Uh, it's his, I thought this was really funny. Uh, he's, I forget who it was too. I think it might've been Connor Joe, but he lets a hot shot uh, off his leg, which probably would have been, you know, a ground ball to McNeil. Uh, it hits off his leg and it goes in a right field for a double. It's his first extra base hit that he's given up since June 16th. And it, it went off his leg right to him, which I thought was really funny. It just goes run. to show how dominant he's been. Yeah. Uh, and then the Mets put together that rally against a pretty good pitcher in Daniel Bard. Bard helps them out with the hit by pitch. Um, and he, he nearly gets he out lost of it. it. He lost it a little bit. That was his to, yeah, which to is finish kind there. of Daniel Bard's history. Yeah. A little bit of like what happened. Uh, yeah. But he, he, had like a hit by pitch, a walk. Yeah. Yeah, it was wild. So the Mets escape with a big game two win, kind of changes the narrative of the series. They come back out in game three for a big start from David Peterson, who is reclaiming his role in the rotation for now. Uh, and he showed up big time in this one. We'll talk about it. But first, Brandon Nimmo, who's beginning to find it again, drew a couple walks in this series and also hit a leadoff home run against Kyle Freeland on the second pitch of the game. That's what we like to see. Uh, the Mets go around in the second inning as well. Nimmo strikes again, doubling home two with two outs in the second three. Nothing Mets. And that would be all that David Peterson needed. Kind of a shaky first inning, a lot of hard hit balls, but he gets out of it with no runs, and then he absolutely cruises for six innings against the Rockies. No earned runs in those six innings, no walks, which is massive for my guy Peterson. 102 pitches, seven strikeouts, the ERA goes down to 3.21. He retired 10 in a row uh, from the last out of the first through the fourth inning, just two base runners after that first inning. Uh, and it's just his second start of the season of six innings or more with no walks. A very encouraging sign for Peterson, who kind of had a couple shaky outings uh, in his return from AAA. Uh, later on, the Mets get some insurance from Marte's double in the seventh, and the Mets bullpen was sharp again in this one. The combination of Lugo and Ottavino has been really, really sharp lately. Uh, Lugo and May, got to give some love to May as well. They both pitch perfect innings with two strikeouts, and Ottavino comes in for the save again to give Diaz some rest. He gets a second save of the series with a clean ninth inning. The Mets offense, not really sharp in this one again. They go one for ten with runners in scoring position, but again, they get great pitching, so it does not matter. Uh, Escobar returns to the lineup. He goes 0 for 3 with 5 left on base, uh, but the Mets get their MLB leading 17th shutout of the season. They win game three pretty dominantly, 3 to nothing. Good recap, good Thank recap. Uh, yeah, man, the, the thing that pops off for me here, there it's all pitching. Yeah. It is Peterson looked really good, really sharp after he settled in. Uh, man, his slider is such a weapon. I know. And he was th he threw some really good changeups. He had a pretty consistent changeup. In the first inning, they were kind of they were fastball slider, mm -hmm. and I thought it was a good job uh, by who was catching McCann. I believe that was a Nito game, but I could be a Nito game. I think it was a Nito game. Uh, they went to his changeup early, and he mm -hmm. had a good one. He got some punch outs on that changeup. 
um, which when he becomes that three pitch pitcher, because they key on those two, he's he, he steps up another level because they get he gets more swings and misses. Um, and it was just very impressed. And then you you said it, Lugo, Adovino, even Trevor May. Trevor May has looked great, like mm-hmm. hitting his spots on his fastball. Uh, very impressed with him. That was the key for me. Yeah, bullpen was key in this game, uh, but Peterson's six innings go a long way. Uh, Mets offense wasn't really cranking. This was a rare kind of cold series from Lindor. We've been talking so good about Lindor in recent series, just getting it done. Uh, this was a rare kind of hitch in the game for him, but other guys are picking up the slack. Canna's been hot. Nimmo's found it again, and that's all really the Mets needed against this Rockies lineup. That takes us to game four. On to game four. Max Scherzer versus another German man, Herman Marquez. <laughs> and as last time, the Mets don't like to face Germans because they get dominated. Uh, it was a pitcher's duel from both sides. Top of the seventh inning, the Rockies hit three straight singles, two of which don't leave the infield. Jose Iglesias of the perfect bunt single. Uh, Buck learned from his lessons with Chris Bass and decides to leave Scherzer in. He gets a strikeout. A sack fly to make it one nothing and a K. That is all that they would need because the Mets offense was shut out. So Scherzer went seven innings, four hits, and that one run. He has 11 Ks. Armand Marquez goes seven, only gives up the one hit in the fifth inning. Then the Mets get one hit in the eighth and one hit in the ninth, but they go down quietly. The Mets lose game four, one to nothing. Scherzer. That's his 110th start with double-digit strikeouts that ties him with Roger Clemens for third all-time in such category, which is amazing. But he is outshined by the lack of offense, and the Mets lose the final game of the series. It is hard to sweep a four-game set. We know that, even if your opponent is the Rockies. Uh, But this one kind of stunk. It felt like a really winnable game. Scherzer looked sharp. Loved what you said about Buck kind of learning from his mistake. I think leaving in Scherzer, even though he was over 100 pitches, was probably the right move. He got a couple strikeouts, did let up that sack fly. Uh, but the Mets got to score a run, you know? They got they got to make this game competitive. That's not on Scherzer. Herman uh, Marquez has been dominant in the past. It hasn't really been a good year for him, but he gets a nice bounce back here against a pretty good Mets lineup. They were hitless until the fifth inning. Jeff McNeil uh, kind of came through there. Uh, and they had their chances, uh, especially in the late innings. Uh, Beatty singled, then he reached second on a wild pitch. He doesn't score. Uh, they got a single from Alonzo in the ninth. He doesn't score. Uh, it's just, you know, Mets offense was not firing on all cylinders. Pretty much this entire series, they got big hits when they needed them in game two, but only three runs in game one and game three. Luckily, they got great pitching in those games uh, to get wins. But, you know, this offense kind of needs to find it quick because they're going to have three really good pitchers in the Dodgers. That's the key for me. The Mets offense looked not great they've been kind of stymied they came up with big clutch hits which is you know if you're gonna if you're not gonna hit very often you better hit in the clutch and that's what they did this series but you know the rockies are a 55 win ball club right now yeah uh you should sweep them because you're that much more dominant uh especially when scherzer goes seven and gives up one run you think that would be a very winnable ball game but you know, they took three out of four. Again, big picture, you're happy, but the offense looks kind of stale. Um, McNeil looks great. Nemo's coming alive a little bit. Uh, Lindor, you know, cooled down, but he, like you said, in the ninth inning of, of game three, he hit an absolute laser beam for that, trying to get that clutch walk-off yeah. hit. 
Uh, yeah, man, it wasn't a great offensive series, but they take three or four. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll take the good pitching to the bank. The unbelievable thing is that since Degrom is returning, we've had him and Scherzer in the rotation. The Mets have gone five and five in their ten starts, which is not what you'd expect. You'd expect more like a eight hundred winning percentage, but you can't win them all, especially when you're not scoring any runs. Um, but Scherzer looked great in this one, uh, and the Mets, you know, they still get a good result. They win three or four. They get good pitching. Uh, and they're getting good news as well. Carlos Carrasco is way ahead of schedule on his left oblique. Uh, he's scheduled for a simulated game today. Uh, so hopefully that means he's getting close to a rehab assignment. Our guy Drew Smith threw, from, threw 15 pitches yesterday in his first bullpen session. So hopefully he gets a rehab assignment soon. So uh, this Mets pitching staff did a great job the past four games. And they're only going to get stronger, which is really nice to see. Uh, I think there's a lot of good candidates for our Apple today, which is nice because we didn't have. I want to say one thing Go real ahead. quick. Michael Givens cannot be pitching in close ball games. Yeah. He has to re-earn it, start from scratch. Yeah. Uh, I know he's got a history, and I love that he's a good pitcher. He's just not good right now. I mean, he had another shaky one uh, in Game Four. Yeah. Two hits and a walk, no punches. Um, Wild pitch. He to find it, so he's. He needs to go into mop-up duty to earn his, you know, earn his way back up into that, you know, trust tree, you know, because it's a hierarchy in the bullpen yeah. of, you know, plus three, plus or minus, yeah. close games, tie games, and then there's like, here, we need innings. And yeah. Michael Givens has earned his way into the mop-up duty. Um, couldn't need Drew Smith faster. Yes. Uh, Tommy Hunter's back, which is a nice sign. He was, I saw him warming up. He's a solid candidate to to be step up above Michael Gibbons. Um, yeah, man, that was that was tough. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked about it a little bit last episode, but the way things look right now, the the marquee bullpen addition that the Mets got at the deadline might not even make the playoff roster, which is not a good thing. Uh, I mean, it's tough, and you kind of have to accept it. Uh, Buck has worked with Gibbons in the past. Gibbons was a Baltimore Oriole, but it's just not his time right now. He hasn't looked very good. I did not think that was the spot for him in Game Two. Um, but it is what it is. The Mets still got the win there. But you can't rely on the offense to make three comebacks a game uh, to win you series every single time. You got to make better decisions. Yep. Um, they tried to uh, they tried to wedge him in there to yeah. like, hey, earn it, and he and he didn't, and that's fine. Uh, but he's got a full month to get it back together, you know, uh, and hopefully he does because it would be nice to have another weapon. But we talked about you know if Peterson isn't that fourth starter. From the left side, he's going to be a weapon. Tyler McGill hopefully comes back throwing cheese from the right side will be another weapon. So uh, you got a month to figure out the rest of the bullpen, see how it shakes out. So And it really looks like you're developing a nice 7-8-9 combo between Lugo, Otto, and Diaz. It looks like that's really finally come into form uh, this late in the season. Uh, I think Drew Smith will definitely figure a way into there now that he's going to be healthy again. Uh, and the Mets, they have a good problem on their hands, figuring out who's going to make the bullpen for this stretch run uh, when the games are going to matter the most. Um, do you want to jump to our Apple now? You think you're Let's ready? Let's do it. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. Uh, I'm yeah. still not sure, but I think I think I know who I'm going with. But okay. You can go well, first if you do want you, to. You know who you're going with? I know who I'm going with. You go first, then. You take it away. Yeah, I'll let you do the guys that all others considered because I'm going to jump mentions. right in. I'm going to go with... The can of whoop ass himself, Mark yes, Canna. Sir. I mean, he is the apple of my eye oh. for a good reason, man. He went four for nine, two runs scored, three doubles, 
three RBI, two hit by pitch. So you wrote a nice stat, and I heard it on the I heard it on the broadcast. Yeah. In his first 313 at bats this season, he had 18 extra base hits, and through his last 31, he has 11 extra base hits. He's unbelievably hot right now. Not just hot, but clutch. Yes. I mean, so many huge hits. That one double could have been a homer, hit the top of the wall, whatever the case may be. He is. He looks locked in. And when yeah. he's locked in, he's so dangerous because he has such a good eye. He's very, you know, you have to be you know, super fine with your location as a pitcher because he's already going to gonna zone you up. And then when he's hitting the ball on the barrel like that consistently, just an absolute weapon to have on the back half of your, your lineup. So he is the apple of my eye. Lovely pick, as always. Uh, this year, I haven't been wowed by the Mets walk-up songs but when Paper Plans comes on everybody is dancing everyone's up in the crowd everybody is loving Mark Canna right now I think he's probably one of the most lovable Mets on this team we got him for a couple more years which is awesome and this this month that he has had has been absolutely essential because we kind of saw a little bit of a dip ever since you know we started acquiring some platoon options and Canna saw his playing time uh, whittled down a little bit but I think he's fully uh, convinced, you know, Mets fans and m- maybe Buck as well that this is a guy that should probably be in the lineup as much as he possibly can. Uh, he's been hot. He's been clutch. And we've needed those clutch hits because a lot of the Mets outlook changes without Canna's clutch performance in the Phillies game and Canna's clutch performance in game two. Canna's not the hero of game two. That's Alonzo. But without those game tying hits and that RBI double uh, prior, uh, that's a very, very different outlook. So good he, he talked about it in his postgame interview in Philly that he was waiting patiently for his power to come through in those situations. Mm. And he talked about the frustrations of a long season. He's still putting together good at bats, but he's been, he trusted the process, trust his approach and trust that his body remembers how to hit the ball for power and to see it come through. You can see it. It wasn't relief, but it was like, yes, all my hard work, all my mental toughness of sticking with what I know is going to work, and it actually does work, like the relief on his on his brain allowed him to lock in even harder, which is kind of like what we're seeing is like a super focused, in the zone kind of guy at the plate, and it's awesome to watch. Absolutely agree there. Uh, a lot of good Mets offensive performance, despite not the greatest results as a team. Uh, Brandon Nimmo looked awesome this series, had kind of one off game in, uh, in between here, but he draws four walks, which I think was big. It's his first time drawing four walks in a three-game span this entire season. Uh, I think in this Rocky series alone, he drew as many walks as he did in all of June. So that's a really good sign that Nimmo's taking some better at-bats, more disciplined, which is a crazy thing that to even you know wonder that he would do considering his track record. Uh, also scored three runs, double home run, two RBI. So great series for him. Alonso snaps out of the funk, breaks his home run drought. He goes six for 16, collects three ribeyes. And Jeff McNeil continues to smack the baseball all over the field, batting over 400 in August. He went five for 15 with a walk. Uh, but mine, uh, mine's going to go to a pitcher today. we got a lot of great pitching performances. Want to show some love to Adovino. Gets two saves in this series with two shutout innings. Scherzer had the great uh, start in the loss of game four, 11 strikeouts in seven innings. Uh, I'm going to give my apple to David Peterson, though. He gets my apple today. I love it. 
Not the pick I was expecting to go with heading into today, but I think that it was incredibly important because if we get what you probably expect to be a good Peterson start, maybe six innings, three earned runs, uh, that game changes. It becomes a three to three game. The circumstances are different there. Uh, but Peterson really showed up in game three and really was able to settle in after a shaky uh, first inning. We've talked a lot this year about how he's improved vastly uh, with runners in scoring position and not letting those shaky situations get inside his head so much. He was really able to maintain his composure and get to get into a nice rhythm and uh, his slider has developed into one of the best sliders in all of baseball which it, it's been a shock to me uh, he has a 46.5 whiff percentage on a slider this season that's sixth in the MLB and the Mets have three guys in that top six Diaz is first and Scherzer is fourth uh, so if your team can't hit sliders this is the last team you're going to want to face because between those three guys especially Peterson on that Saturday start uh, they look pretty sharp up there Uh, So seven strikeouts for him. He gets a big start there. We don't know how much longer he's going to be in the rotation with Carlos Carrasco on his way back. But, you know, there's got to be a role for him because when he's in a groove and he gets in rhythm and he feels his spot being solidified at the big leagues, that's when he puts on his best work. So uh, David Peterson, he gets my apple today. Well deserved. Yeah, man, he's I like that you gave it to Peterson there because you got great performance from Scherzer who went seven with 11 punch outs, the Grom, you know, went six and gave up one had nine punch outs. Uh, But to me, the biggest start was from Peterson because it was a big win. It was the third game to secure a series victory. Um, And he came up clutch, you know, he he started off a little shaking. We've seen his mental toughness kind of lock in again. That's not a very good team, but they do have some weapons. CJ Crone is, is hitting well. Grichik has been, you know, I think he's hitting over 300. Um, Iglesias has been like the best offensive hitter in his career. Maybe Uh, they have some weapons. McMahon's got, got some pop. Uh, He stymied them and he, he did a good job. I was very impressed. I've been with him. I've been, impressed with him all season man he's to handle the you're maybe the biggest Peterson said advocate time and time again that was clutch yeah I think that you you have vouched for him more than anybody else and I, I think it's it's warranted for sure and uh we've spoken a lot about Trevor Williams importance to this team the two of them in 159 innings combined this year a 3.05 ERA this season looks so much different um if those guys don't perform to the level that they have uh, obviously, T. Will has had to take a back seat, and he's been like, you know, the Swiss Army knife of the pitching staff. You can use him pretty much wherever you want. I would not mind seeing Trevor Williams in some more high leverage spots or at least middle relief a little bit more, especially considering some of the performances we've seen recently from the bullpen. Uh, but David Peterson, glad he's getting another shot. Uh, it's a tough role, man, to bounce up and down and, you know, go between the bullpen and the rotation and not really know where you stand with the team. Uh, but he's really stepped up to the bill and delivered for them on numerous occasions. So I'm glad he gets some love this weekend. Agreed. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, right on our ass, lost two of three to the Cardinals. Uh, two late inning blowups for them, which was huge for the Mets. So they get a three game lead heading into a daunting series as the Los Angeles Dodgers come to City Field for the first time this season. Maybe a little playoff preview, guys. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who the yeah, hell man. Knows? Uh, watching or following you along on Twitter, <laughs> uh, I know exactly what's happening with the the Braves because your your I'm emotional tweets are hilarious. I try to maintain 
an unbiased opinion through the first like <laughs> half of the season, maybe. Now oh, we're going. Yeah, no, we're going you're, full. you're you're full on Mets fandom, which is which is fine, man. You you like who you like. There's no shame in that. Uh, I'm just you know we've never we it's been a while since we've been this good this deep into the season. 82 wins. We're already a winning team this season. Can you believe? Lots that? of you take digs at Goldie and Arenado, <laughs> like who've been <laughs> just you dominated them in one one uh, tweet. I'm like, wow, this guy is. I mean, it was a big spot. An emotional roller coaster. They both struck out. Tyler O'Neill came through though, big three-run homer off Minter, so that was huge. That won the Cardinals yeah. that last yeah, game. Yeah, but they're they're baseball. right there, right with us, um, not letting us get away. They're not gonna. I don't see an implosion coming from them, no. so we're gonna have to win it as a um, the Mets team again. This is what they've been doing all season is just focusing on their style of baseball, playing their game, and. Everything else will figure itself out, you yeah. know. Um, so that's good. You want to you want to look ahead before we do. I just want to throw out some more numbers here. I think the biggest thing uh, for the Mets this season has been the record against winning teams. And I say this because we're not going to play a lot of winning teams in September. The Dodgers are pretty much the last one on our plate until we play the Braves again uh, in that last week. But the Mets have been. I've gone thirty-seven and twenty-nine against above five hundred teams this year. The Braves fell to 27 and 30 after this weekend. I think that has been the key difference in the division, kind of telling of which team, you know, could make the stretch run there. Uh, and after this Dodgers series, man, Nationals, Pirates, Marlins, Cubs, Pirates again, Brewers, you know, that'll be a toughie there. But Athletics, Marlins, it's just, it's going to be a nice cushion there in September. So hopefully this team just continues to do what they do best and roll on. And hopefully the offense can click a little bit. And also, I do want to talk a little bit about Old Timers Day uh, because we didn't oh, get a chance. Yeah, I, I totally to talk yeah. about that. I, it, it is a shame I could not make it on Saturday. I went the night before, uh, but being able to watch that on TV and just seeing the reaction from everybody—what uh, a culture change that this franchise has gone under in just two years' time! So so quickly has everything changed with the New York Mets franchise. Uh, you can attribute it a lot to results-based things, but a lot of it goes into stuff like this, spending the extra dollars to fly out everybody and house the legends of this franchise and get them all together for the first time in what seems like decades. Uh, Old Timers Day, I, I had never been able to watch one live for my team, uh, and it's an absolute joy. Mookie Wilson looks like he could probably still play, honestly. Mike Piazza looked great back there. Uh, it was just really nice to see everybody at the ballpark having such a good time and the tears shed by fans when they revealed they're going to surprise retire Willie Mays' number 24. Uh, really impressive by a, a Mets organization that is not fantastic at keeping things secret to keep this thing under wraps for probably the entirety of the 2022 season. So I think everything about that Saturday ceremony was just awesome through and through. Yeah. Um, very cool, man. I didn't, I didn't expect to see... I guess I wasn't, I didn't understand the impact that that made on the fans. I yeah. think that was the biggest, you know, Stevie Cohen is a fan of the Mets. He's a baseball fan and a fan of the Mets. He knows as a fan what they need to see. And for him, and shout out to Jay Horowitz who put it all together, yeah. um, made the connections, made the phone calls, but gosh, what a treat for the fans. They deserved it. I guess it's been so long that they haven't had uh, to be able to to take a peek back at, you know, such a storied franchise and see all those players come back. I was moved by it. It was really cool to see, uh, again, 
just a just an incredible turnaround for an organization to to get back in touch with its roots to allow the fans and the older fans to see some of their heroes that they loved watching all on the same field playing baseball again it was a very touching moments uh full of touching moments and super cool uh big 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 shout out to to the organization uh, and stevie cohen yeah i really like what you said about how you know you, you don't really see the impact of it until it's actually happening that's before the fans eyes uh, there is a lot of history to the New York Mets. Not all of it is good. In fact, most of it is is pretty rough. Uh, but the times that were good, I think, are you know they should be remembered. And I'm glad that they took the the resources and the financial uh, outlook to actually put that through to fruition. Because this is something that Steve Cohen talked about when he first owned the team. And you know, there's a lot of things that can be considered false promises, but this is something that he delivered big time on. Uh, and the players obviously loved it. Uh, lots of fun quotes from over the weekend. The one that, that gave me chills was uh, Pedro Martinez talking to Scherzer and DeGrom and just saying, hey, get, go get the job done. Go do what I couldn't do, um, which, it, you know, was, was really cool. There's a lot of old timers that really believe in this 2022 team. And I feel like we haven't seen that in a while. So it's there, awesome. I mean, it, it's hard to be good. Yeah, it's hard to be good. And so all these players that were on like really good teams that made a good run they mean something to people not just because of their fandom but they it's a snapshot into a time in their life that they can look back on and be nostalgic about and be reminded of and be youthful in their exuberance for uh, a player that they cheered on a team that they cheered on it means something to people and I saw so many tweets of you know, people that I follow on Twitter where their parents are Mets fans and yeah. they were moved and, and brought to tears or so excited uh, and clapping and, and the biggest smiles. I mean, a huge outpouring. And I, I guess I knew it was a good idea because it's meaningful from a player standpoint to see uh, organization that that really embraces the the players and teams of the past. You know, like I saw the Braves and I, I used to run into their great players all the time in the clubhouse. Um, so it was meaningful to me, but I didn't anticipate the joy that it brought. And it, it, it made me proud and it reminded me, you know, as a player, a former player, that sometimes what you do on the field means something to people. And as silly as that is for me to admit it made me feel good as a former player to be reminded that, you know, what I did or what we do as players is impactful in a silly way. And so, you know, it brought, it was, it was just such a cool thing. And so, uh, you know, hats off to everybody that, that put that together. Definitely agree. And uh, the last thing I want to say before we get into probables is that I was made a Mets fan, obviously by my parents, my dad specifically diehard Mets fan since 69. That was his first year rooting. Uh, and he got to go to his first city field game this weekend. And, you know, the, the past few years, he has not paid attention to the team a lot. He kind of lost his, his love for the fandom. And I, I get that. There were a lot of rough teams uh, in the, over the past decade. Uh, but when he went to city field, he said it was the most fun he had had since he had been going to Shea. Uh, and I think that, that, you know, that meant a lot to me because this team is, you know, is something I built my entire career around. And I think that the rekindled love that he showed is probably something that a lot of older fans now have again, uh, seeing the appreciation for the teams that they grew up with and now seeing, you know, a better product on the field and one that 
clearly ownership and the front office cares about investing into and putting time into. So great weekend for the Mets. Yeah, not, yeah to, to wax poetically a little bit, it feels safe for people to be a Mets fan. That Whereas, I think is a great quote right there. Yeah, it it's not safe for them to invest their their passion for an organization that seems to be it's not doesn't seem to be for them to reinvest into them. It feels safe and secure and people are are embracing the Mets again and it's wonderful to see. All around good vibes from the New good York vibes. Mets. But the vibes could get bad. <laughs> the big bad wolf is coming to City Field. The Los Angeles Dodgers are coming into town. They have an off day tonight and then a three-gamer with the best team in baseball. Jerry, who the hell is pitching? This is a big one. This is a three-game set with the Los Angeles Dodgers, the powerhouse of the National League. Game one, we're going to see Taiwan Walker, who's been stellar this year. I feel like he's the forgotten man for a while. He's 10-3 and three with a 3-3-8 ERA. He'll be going off against Andrew Heaney, who, amongst all of the Dodgers, finds a way to be really successful. Andrew Heaney is 2-1 with a 1.94 ERA. Mets will dodge Tony Gonsolin, who pitched tonight versus or last night versus the Marlins. Uh, Trey Turner's 5 for 16. Mookie Betts is 4 for 8 against Taiwan Walker. Uh, and Andrew Heaney, since his second IL stint, he's thrown 26 in the third innings pitched, given up eight earned runs. That's a 2.73 ERA. 39 punches to eight walks. Uh, he's gone six innings just twice in nine starts this year. They limit him to try to maximize his effectiveness, uh, and we'll see how they go. And uh, Taiwan Walker versus the Dodgers, uh, he pitched June 2nd, went five and two-thirds, gave up two earned runs, um, scattered seven hits, but he took the L. That is game one. Game two. A guy named Jacob deGrom, who's not the forgotten man, uh, necessarily so. He's 3-1 and with a 2-1-5 ERA on the year. He'll go up against Tyler Anderson. Much like Heaney, Tyler Anderson has figured out a second version of himself since becoming a Dodger. He is 13-2 with a 2-6-9 ERA. Uh, Freddie Freeman, you might remember him, he's 15 for 63 with three homers against Jacob deGrom. This is the matchup that I'm most looking forward to, having been on both sides of the, the equation on that, seeing it attack, seeing how DeGrom attacks him, seeing how excited Freeman is to face him, should be fun. Trey Turner, also pretty good against DeGrom, 11 for 44 with a homer. Uh, Tyler Anderson faced the Mets on the 3rd of June. He went six shutout innings, scattering three hits, got five uh, strikeouts and picked up the W. Uh, Jacob DeGrom versus the Dodgers in his career, pretty darn good. He's got 10 starts, 62 and two-thirds inning pitch to a 2.87 ERA and a .99 whip as a career. 0-4 uh, in the regular season, but in the playoffs in 15 where it mattered, that's a, a big W for him. That is game two. Game three, it's going to be Chris Bassett, who we just saw pitch really well. He's 11-7 with a 3-3-4 ERA going up against Maybe Dustin May, who's been uh, returned from uh, Tommy John. He's one and one with a one six four. He looks just as good as ever. They patiently allowed him to come back. It's either going to be him or Clayton Kershaw coming off his uh, stint on the IL as well. We don't know who it's going to be, but hopefully it doesn't matter because the Mets will win. Um, <laughs> Kershaw versus the Mets in his career, stellar. 10-0 with a two. Uh, Bassett versus the Dodgers on the 3rd of June. He went six, gave up three runs, uh, and that's it. So we don't know what's going to happen, but that is the three-game set. 
against the powerhouse. This is a big set because the Braves are there. This is going to be a good one at home. You expect to win this series, take two out of three and make a statement versus the, the powerhouse of the National League. Great preview as always. Uh, the Mets played the Dodgers in L.A. earlier in the year. They split that four-gamer. They won the last two, so they really powered through there. Remember the Adonis Medina clutch save? He strikes out Will Smith. Uh, this is a big set. I think it really sets the tone going forward. The Mets have that cushion that we've talked a lot about in September, and this is one of the last real tough sets of the year, and it's one that you'd like to win because if you win it, you've won the season series against the Dodgers and uh, can use that to your advantage. Um, when you look at this Dodgers rotation without looking at any numbers, it's it's kind of weird. It's got Tony Gonsolin, it's got Andrew Heaney, Tyler Anderson, you know, some guys that have had, you know, good careers, but not really proven themselves to be top caliber starting pitchers in the past. And then you look at the numbers and you understand why this team is 50 games over 500 at this point. Uh, the Dodgers have pieced together one of the best rotations I think I've ever seen in my lifetime without Walker Buehler and without Clayton Kershaw, which is a testament to their player development. Uh, we luckily dodged Tony Gonsolin, who's looking like a Cy Young frontrunner alongside Sandy Alcantara. Uh, but you still get three really good pitchers here. Tyler Anderson blanked us earlier in the year. Andrew Heaney's been on a heater. And Dustin May has some of the nastiest stuff in the game. Don't forget who I think is their number one starter and Julio Urias were yeah. also dodging. So yeah. he's I'm, having a hell of a year. He's got a 2-3-2 ERA, uh, just dominating. So And the weakness, if you can even call it that at this point, would be their bullpen, which has also been absolutely stellar. The weakness comes at the back end. Craig, Kimbr uh, Craig Kimbrell has looked uh, human this year, but they got Evan Phillips with a 1-2-7 back there, Alex Vesia with a 2-5-5, and old man David Price with a 2-6-1. Uh, been really good for them finishing games this year. Uh, they got weapons everywhere. Uh, you obviously want to take two out of three, but this is a tall, tall task considering how hot this team has been. They've been the best team since the All-Star break and obviously the best team in baseball this year. I like the three we're sending out. Taiwan looked good against them. Chris Bassett looked good against them. And now you got that home field advantage. And, you know, you got to face Jacob deGrom in game two. And he's been historically good against this team. Uh, I think 63 at-bats was the most I've seen from any probable hitter versus pitcher this entire season because Freeman versus DeGrom is kind of just that classic age-old NL East matchup. So I'm really excited for that as well. This is going to be a good series. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Let me uh, highlight some of their their offenses deep. They have a great lineup, much, you know, much like the Braves. Their weak spots are Max Muncy, Chris Taylor, and Cody Bellinger. That's their weak spots. They've, and Muncy's they've underperformed. been hot. Uh, Muncy's on a burner though he's he's come back uh, and looked like himself yeah uh but will smith is a great catcher freddie freeman having another mvp caliber year he's hitting 326 uh with a 914 ops um trey turner an 844 ops he's got 21 bags on the year the who my pick to win the mvp mr mookie betts is having mm. a little bit of a down year he's only hitting 281 uh, but a 9-10 OPS. He's got 31 homers. And Incredible. a guy a guy you should uh, not forget about on the bench, or I guess playing every day now, Trace Thompson, who they got on waivers, I believe, and he's turned in a cool 946 OPS, a 158 OPS plus, 18 extra base hits in just 48 games. Uh, he's been really, really good, and he's just a weapon off the bench. Not to mention old, I guess, friend, you could call it. Joey Gallo, old New Yorker, has been hot ever since he joined the Dodgers. Has already got three home runs for them in 16 games. There are no holes in this lineup. 
Really, no, Justin, no Justin Turner's starting to turn it on again. Gavin yeah. Lux is uh, seems to be a budding superstar uh, at second base for them. I mean, they can play, man. This is a good team. This is this is the National League runs through Atlanta, New York, and L.A. Yep. And this is one of the powerhouses. So absolutely agree. Uh, the Mets get an off day today, so that's big. Uh, after that long stretch without an off day, they got the one before Colorado. Looked pretty good there. They get one here. And you just got to get through this three-gamer, try and do your best to take the series. You're at home, and then go on cruise control for a little bit. Make a statement here. I would love to see the offense come out of their little bit of a funk here um, against a really good pitching staff. So that would be uh, something that I'm looking for. And I think, you know, having the two days off after such a long stretch, I think it's going to allow some of these veterans to to get their feet back underneath them and, and make a run here. I think so too, Jerry. And I think that's it for our show, man. I believe it is. I think it is. This was a was good a one. Good... Yeah, Lots well, I'll see you in a couple days, man. I'm coming in. Oh, yeah. You're storming yeah. back into the office. So what? I'll see you Friday then? I'm not sure. We'll we'll chat. I'll look at my schedule. and, and make... I haven't scheduled my flights or anything, ah, so okay. I'll look at that. Gotcha. All right. Well, guys, until then, enjoy your week. Uh, bask in the Mets' glory of the weekend, and hopefully we win a series against a really good team. For the two Jacks, I'm Jerry. Let's go Mets! See you soon. For episode 95? Are you kidding? That's crazy. That's nuts.